This podcast is made possible by Workiva and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Dan Adler, CFO of MapR, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 386. Recently, I dealt with a CFO who I was coaching who accepted an opportunity. Um, they were referred by an investor that uh, they, they worked with in the past, so there was trust with that investor who was sitting on the board. Uh, in the process, um, the CEO was charming and smart and visionary and seemed like everything was under control. And when I joined, and they realized pretty quickly that the CEO was not as, um, what's the best way to say this? Um, it was a little bit of a tyrant and a micromanager. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we welcome back Samuel Durgle of Durgle Executive Search. We will be discussing with Samuel the relationship ecosystem that finance leaders rely on to help propel them into their future positions. We begin after these words from our sponsor. Workiva transforms the way people work through connected reporting and compliance. The facts are, a majority of senior accounting and finance professionals say their financial reporting involves a huge amount of manual work and is inherently error-prone, leading to risk. Risk that's intensified by new business complexities and the changing business climate. Linked data elements, numbers, narrative, and calculations together everywhere you use them. When you change data at the source, it's changed at the destination. Gaining trust in your data and processes is that simple. Join over 3,500 customers who enjoy the benefits of using Workiva by connecting their organizations from record to report. Visit workiva.com slash CFO. Future. on the triangle of the, uh, the CFO, CEO, and the board. And so let me ask the question, when it comes uh, to CFO hiring, how involved is the board? So anytime there's an active board, I would say almost all the time the board is involved. 
in the search. The question is, is how involved and who's driving the, the process. Um, but uh, I, I've never seen a board not involved in some way, shape, or form uh, in making it happen. Uh, in private equity companies, the board is the private equity firm uh, or private equity firms. Uh, they are extremely involved in the process. Uh, many times, PE firms develop uh, a stable of CFOs over the years that they know, like, and trust that they, uh, they parachute into companies that they feel uh, understand what they need um, in running a company and can deliver and have a track record of delivering for them. We want to explore with you uh, the different parties that are involved uh, here at the CFO Hire. But first, I'm wondering if you could, when things go wrong, can you, can you give us an example of, and, and you've been involved in quite a few uh, placements here, um, and I'm sure there's, there's some to choose from, but can you give us some of the circumstances uh, involved in perhaps a placement that went wrong? Recently, I dealt with the CFO who I was coaching who accepted an opportunity. Um, they were referred by an investor that uh, they worked with in the past, so there was trust with that investor who was sitting on the board. Uh, and they were not allowed to take the job. And they trusted the investor, uh, they went in, they became CFO, and handed forward. Uh, in the process, um, the CEO was training and smart and visionary and seemed like everything was under control. And they joined, and they realized pretty quickly that the CEO was not as, um, what's the best way to say this? Um, but it was a little bit of a talent in a micromanager which was not the best environment for the CFO. And so I coached them through trying to manage that relationship, um, which was very difficult, and ultimately it led to the CFO not having a choice but to move on. Um, and it was, it was not good for the CFO, it was not good for the company, it was not good for the investor, um, because there was a dynamic in that that they did not get, they did not trust their gut enough to be able to say, you know, this is not the environment that I can change. Great company, great investors, great product, a CEO who was not fit for them. And, and too many times, CFOs are, um, don't do their due diligence on that. And, and, and it's not as uncommon as one might think. So I think as we have discussed in the past, uh, trying to get a fix on a particular company's board dynamics uh, can be can be challenging. And I would have to imagine there's a situation where uh, a CFO candidate has come to you and said, I, I just want to meet uh, this one particular board uh, member who is clearly very influential in the direction of the company, and yet the CEO hasn't uh, set up that meeting or hasn't encouraged it, and it's concerning. Is that uh, something perhaps that you've confronted before 
with the candidate. Um, what, what I always try to recommend to any candidate that I'm dealing with is for them to get due to their due diligence, and I support them in their due diligence. Um, in a situation where I look at the CEO and say, you know, that the candidate would like to be able to meet some people on the board, or what I would tell them to ask for. It, it's a, you know, funnily enough, in my experience, um, when I'm looking at CFOs as they're moving towards accepting the role, CFOs are very good doing due diligence for companies. They are less diligent in due diligence when they're doing all of the things that they think for themselves. Many times, um, when they're going through a process, um, they'd rather, um, especially in a situation where the grass is hopefully green on the other side, they're more likely not to go through due diligence steps um, and, and really ask for what, what they're feeling about the environment and, and the culture and the fit and their ability to succeed. Um, and just like the world, and if you see, sometimes you'll see companies that hire a CFO and then a few months later, uh, the CFO is no longer there. Uh, many times it's because uh, the CFO accepted an opportunity that maybe they shouldn't have. So for the uh, CFO that's about to enter uh, the CEO-CFO relationship, what is the expectation that when it comes to communication with the board? What should they, what do they need to understand? Um, generally, the CFO, well, if the person's in the CFO role, generally, if there's an active board, there's some sort of connect, direct connection between the board member, one of the board members and the CFO, generally. Um, so, um, the, the challenge sometimes is, and I've seen many cases where the CEO likes to control the messaging into the board, um, and he's been very specific to the CFO members at the executive table that um, anything that's said has to clear from the CEO. And that's a little bit dangerous, um, but it does exist. Um, most CFOs in that situation feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, uh, the, the question always comes down to who hired the CFO, who made the actual promotion of the CFO, was it the CEO, was it the board? Um, but the CFOs in my experience and from what they told me are most comfortable when they can have, they feel that they can have a direct line that's um, official or unofficial to the board to express concerns that they may have. Um, so if there's a don't have that uh, in a board situation, I'm usually uncomfortable in that way. Um, and um, Sometimes it's a factor for them to begin keeping their eyes open for another opportunity. Okay, let's let's move in a, a more optimistic direction here and uh, discuss uh, the first meeting uh, with a CEO. What advice do you offer CFO candidates uh, before their first meeting? Uh, I, I think the first meeting is key. Um, but, uh, 
you know, if you're going to be first meeting with your potential employer, and all you're talking about is your experience, and you're walking through at this company at the back, and this company at the desk, um, you're setting yourself up for failure. As a CFO, and again, it applies to all executives, but we're talking about CFOs. There's a better need for you to be hired. And if you're working through a search firm, the search firm is making a lot of money to be able to bring out to the table and bring it through and allow you to sit in your role. Okay. There's, there's a challenge, there's a problem. What is it? You're not being hired to fill a chair and, and have your picture on the website. You're being hired to solve a problem. What's the problem? You need to put on your consulting hat and understand what's keeping the CEO up at night. How are you going to solve that problem? Stop acting as if you're an interviewer about what you've accomplished in your career and start acting as a consultant where you're trying to understand the person that's in front of you, the challenges that they face, and how you can make a difference. And then you come around and say, I've done that, I've done this, I know how to do that, I've seen this, I can make your pain go away. And that's the person that's going to win and get the job. And from what you're telling us, too often the common mistake would be uh, the candidate who is just sort of listing off past accomplishments, not really taking in what the challenge is that the CEO is looking to address and how that why you're you're the one to help solve it. You have to make that happen. It, it, it's up to you to lead that. Sometimes uh, people interview and they may not be great interviews. They also may want to learn about your past experiences. And that's okay. I mean, you can talk about your past. Um, it, it, but you're not going to hide for your past. You're going to be hired for what you can do. And what you can accomplish and what you can happen. And the best way to do that is to really understand what the challenges are in front of you. If you know what the CEO is going to lose their sleep over, and if you can help them sleep better, you're going to get the job. After that first meeting, if a hire is going to happen, in general, what's the time frame? That's a great question. And I don't have an answer. Look, I started my career in accounting, so I'm going to use my standard accounting answer. Uh, it depends. But, uh, you know, it's all about timing. You know, the formula has, in, in, in the formula, things like uh, urgent need, time schedule available, who has to be involved in making the decision. Um, what's the urgent need is, um, who else they're interviewing, um, and a whole bunch of other factors get involved as to how quickly it can move. It can close in a couple of weeks, um, and it can take months. Uh, there's, there's no easy answer to that question. You mentioned something earlier before, which I uh, was not really aware of. As a, as a coach and as an executive search uh, executive, uh, you sometimes coach the CEO as well or other members in the company 
when uh, to, how to collaborate or build that relationship with the CFO. Is that what you were describing before, where there was difficulty in one company? Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, the is usually specific to the CFO um, in, in helping them um, build the relationships and manage the, the challenges they are in front of them to help them succeed. So uh, I work with uh, the CFO as a coach. I, I can advise the CEO from time to time, especially when I'm doing researches, but um, mostly it's, uh, it's the CFO. But I guess I just want to uh, sort of underscore that uh, this type of role uh, coaching uh, is not uncommon for executive uh, search professionals like yourself. No, no, no. Um, you know, as, as I've begun to say, um, I'm not in the search business, I'm in a relationship business that happens to do search. Um, I'm not how we make our money, but uh, we are... Um, I am my firm is, and I believe many executive search firms are um, relationship businesses, especially if they're successful. We touched on before, you mentioned what the CFO, uh, the approach for the CFO should be at that first lunch. What advice would you give a CEO who's trying to evaluate a CFO candidate? That's a great question. Um, it, it's really, do they have the experience that you need to be able to help you make the decisions necessary for the success of the business. And only the CEO really knows that. Um, and it would be said, you know, is this a person that you feel that you can trust to give them the freedom to solve your problems? If the answer is yes, then you have to go process. And if the answer is no, then I want to ask you about part-time CFOs and the role that they play in the market today. When I was younger, I was a part-time CFO. When I was, I got into the recruiting business because I thought I was going to be building a part-time CFO business. What I found is that the difference. Part-time CFO is, is, is you're selling consulting. It's, it's not selling um, a, a permanent role. And part-time CFO, selling part-time CFO and delivering part-time CFO is very much consulting. It's a consulting business. Um, it's not a CFO role. Um, and then they're different. Yes, part-time CFOs can graduate to full-time CFOs. And in many cases, they do. But again, that usually parking CFOs are very, are very good fit in companies that are growing quickly, that don't have many resources, or they're small businesses that need the guidance of an experienced finance executive to be able to deal with the issues that they're finding, but can't afford and don't need someone full-time as part of their business. As a company is a significant enough size, a part-time CFO is not a solution. Is the average size of companies making their first CFO hire double the size of what it was 20 years ago? That's what we'll be asking Sam after these words from our sponsor.
You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. I don't have any uh, research to back up uh, my next observation, but uh, my suspicion is that uh, inside the middle market, companies are waiting longer to make CFO hires. So whereas 20 years ago, uh, the weight class of company that would make a CFO higher is smaller in, in terms of annual revenues than it is today. But uh, we were just talking about part-time CFOs and, of course, all the technologies that are now available. All these things are coming together to allow companies to lay, to delay the CFO higher. And uh, uh, what is your sense? Look, it comes down to business philosophy. You know, does a business need a mature, experienced, financial mind at the executive table? And companies that are, you know, founder run and led, that don't have, you know, an executive team but managers, okay, a CFO is not a right solution for them. But when a company is getting to the point where they need an executive team to be able to run the business, they need a financial executive at the business. And, and, and that's, that's the difference. And, and revenue is not an issue because uh, some you can have a $100 million business that's simple um, but doesn't need a financial executive, and you can have a $10 million business that's complicated that needs a financial executive at the table to be able to move that business forward. Um, and you can have a pre-revenue business that has lots of money been invested in it um, that needs a CFO because the financing issues are significant because the risk issue to the investors are, are significant and you that you know, mature financial business mind at the table to, to make sure that, you know, there's enough money that money is being spent properly, um, and and there's return coming from it either uh, in cash or in value. So, Sam, is it the board that usually engages with you? And it's not as if a CEO reaches out to you, which certainly must happen, but I would imagine it's board members. It's both. Uh, it depends on the dynamic of the business. Um, I, I have clients that I'm. I've been engaged by a CEO, and I have clients where I've been engaged by, by the board. Um, um, and each situation is different, and there's no good or bad thing. It's just being aware of the dynamics that are involved in, in moving the business forward. And then sometimes that the CEO goes to the board and asks for the, the person that knows the finance function and what's required so that they can help the CEO hire the best person 
for the company. You know, many times CFO, CEOs, um, you know, they may not have had any moral direct ongoing experience with the finance executive to even know what they really need. And that's okay because the CEO is not hired to be the finance expert. The CEO is hired to move the business forward. And in an organization that's very sales oriented, you know, they may not have a clue what they really need from the CFO. And, and so they go to the board and the board is going to help them hire the person with the right experience. And that's fine. We know the hard part for many CFOs is surprisingly the networking because for many other groups of professionals, that's the fun part. That's the easy part. Uh, but for CFOs, often it means time out of the office. Uh, what advice would you have for uh, senior finance executives that want to build relationships that are out there? Uh, and we know that they're challenged in a number of ways sometimes when they're looking to build these types of relationships. What would you, what would you tell them? Most CFO is an island. Uh, CFOs have to deal with all different types of people, certainly inside but also outside the business. Lawyers, accountants, auditors, um, investment bankers, um, and potentially private equity firms. The CFO is on the front line of speaking to potential investors, um, to potential acquisitions, to potential acquirers all the time. They're out there talking to people, and sometimes, or maybe more often than should be, CFOs don't think about the fact that they're not just representing their company, they're representing themselves. And they don't take advantage of, or don't think about taking advantage of, busy um, relationships that can be built and nurtured over time. Uh, unfortunately, too many CFOs, and I'll, I'll be frank, it's not just CFOs, it's all different types of executives, um, are so focused on getting their job done, which they see as just moving the company in the direction that it's in, but they don't realize that they um, will, at one point in time, sooner or later, no longer be with the company um, and not have built strong relationships with people who uh, are impressed by them and would be happy to refer them into an opportunity. Um, the more senior a finance executive gets, the more they need to understand it's not about the the tactical part of what they do, it's the relationships that they build, and it's not just the relationships they build in the business that they're in, but it's the relationships that they build outside the business. And those relationships can continue way along the company ever existed. And it's up to them to make that investment, be aware of it. There are tools, you know, LinkedIn is a great tool. Um, how many people don't have a reasonably up-to-date LinkedIn profile in don't religiously take every business card that they have uh, and make sure that they're connected with these people. And they can stay in front of them in an obtrusive, in a value-added and value-added way. Um, that will get people to think of them. It's really very simple. It's just hard to do. Sam Gable, thank you again for joining us on CFO Talk.
Thank you for listening. And don't forget, Thought Leader listeners, you can now go premium at cfothoughtleader.com.